Hello, welcome to the quarterly conference call for the CMG Malden SmartCore Investment Strategy. My name is Brian Schreiner. I'm Vice President of the Private Wealth Group here at CMG. The Malden SmartCore Strategy is the culmination of over 30 years of economic thinking by one of the world's leading economic writers. John Malden is Chief Economist and Co-Portfolio Manager of the CMG Malden SmartCore Investment Strategy. John believes that the end of the debt supercycle is one of the most profound trends that will impact your portfolio over the next several years. And he believes that the period ahead will require you to think and invest differently to get through what he calls the Great Reset. Instead of diversifying asset classes, Malden SmartCore diversifies among trading strategies. The strategies seek growth, have the ability to respond to the global economy on a daily basis, and they do so with a disciplined investment process that seeks to minimize downside risk. Think of SmartCore as four strategies in one managed account portfolio. The strategies utilize ETFs that enable them to trade across asset classes, countries, sectors, commodities, and cash-like securities for safety. Today's call is going to be split into two segments. First, we'll hear from co-portfolio manager John Malden on what he sees in today's investment environment and the economic landscape. In the second segment, we'll hear from one of the portfolio's four asset managers. Jeff Eliason, a certified financial planner and member of the investment team at Peak Capital Management. Jeff will give us his take on the current market environment and provide insights into Peak's dynamic, risk-hedged U.S. growth portfolio, one of the individual trading strategies within Malden SmartCore. As you're listening today, if you have any questions or you want to learn more about our services, please contact us by phone or email. The phone number is 800 891 90 and our email address is info at cmgwealth.com. Federal securities laws require us to make the following disclosure. Investment involves risk. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Therefore, it should not be assumed that future performance of any specific investment or investment strategy, including Malden Smart Core, will be profitable, be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation, or prove successful. No portion of this call should be construed as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. And there are additional important disclosures on our form ADV, which is available on our website. It's always an honor to introduce my friend and colleague, John Malden, serving as Chief Economist CMG. John is a noted financial expert, a New York Times best-selling online commentator, and publisher of the weekly letter, Thoughts from the Frontline. Together with economics, John hosts the Strategic Investment Conference every year, which brings together some of the world's most respected economists, analysts, and investment managers. John has written many books. Several have appeared on the New York Times bestseller list, including Endgame, Code Red, Just One Thing, and Bullseye Investing. Welcome, John. Thank you for joining us today. Good to be here. Malden SmartCore outperformed the Morningstar category for U.S. fund tactical allocation year-to-date through June 30th. SmartCore was down just 5.5% year-to-date through June 30th, while the U.S. fund tactical allocation group was down 5.7% over the same period. Over the last 12 months, SmartCore is down 2.2%, 
while the U.S. Fund Tactical Allocation Group was down 1.6%. John, are you pleased with how the strategy has been performing this year? Well, yes, I am. Um, You know, it's nice that we're outperforming our peer group, but what I'm happiest about is during the steepest market decline in history, we just didn't participate very much in the decline. We had positioned and then positioned again. And one of the key things I'm trying to do with this strategy is to make sure that we don't participate in the, you know, gut-wrenching volatility. I want to participate on the upside when there is rational reasons to do so. But today, this market is a very difficult one. That being said, the active, unconstrained design of the strategy allowed us to preserve capital far better than the traditional investment strategies. We reduced our equity exposure from about 60% to less than 20%. We increased our bond exposure to almost 70%, mostly the U.S. government bonds, and most of that was one- to three-month treasury bills. I mean, this was across all the four different strategies that were invested in. So they were all increasing their exposure to the treasuries. And interestingly enough, we increased our gold exposure uh, significantly, which has been a good move for us. And then through May and June, we posted a positive return. So I'm pleased with that. I mean, understand, I'm not trying to outperform the market in terms of return. I'm trying to outperform the market in terms of risk-adjusted return. Near the end of your most recent Thought from the Frontline letter, you recommended reading Van Hoisington and Lacey Hunt's quarterly commentary where they explain why we should expect lower inflation for an extended period of time, along with high unemployment and subpar economic growth. Do you agree with their assessment? I do, and for reasons in addition to what they were saying, the current recession is unlike anything we've seen. I mean, it's been caused not by an economic event, not by subprime blowing up or by markets running ahead of themselves so much, as simply we had a pandemic and we shut down, you know, 25, 30% of the economy. We've got 30 million people unemployed or getting government assistance. This was a unprecedented move, and it's going to take, I think, longer to come back. Now, we'll see a bounce in the third quarter, and it will be a recovery from the second quarter, but it's not going to get us back to where we were in you know, 2019. That's going to take quite some time because it's really businessmen adjusting to the realities on the ground. And the realities on the ground right now are such that it's requiring a lot of businesses to adjust in ways that they don't have any experience doing. Now, they will. I'm very confident of that. That's what you know happens in a free society, in a free market, especially a free market society. But this is not going to be a normal recovery in that sense. And because of the factors I'm going to talk about with Lacey, I think it's going to be even slower. So let's look at what they said. We have a record 93% of national economies are now in a recession. Globally, we're in a global recession that is the worst it's ever been. The average since 1871 for prior global recessions was 54%. So, I mean, this is just unprecedented. World trade volume is on track to fall 15%. We've gone from globalization on steroids to just a complete fall off the cliff. I saw a stat come across this morning where air traffic within Europe, air trade within Europe, uh, freight was down something like 15%. I 
I mean, it, car sales are clearly in the slum, airlines and so forth. This is just unprecedented. We've got record debt levels. We're already at $26 trillion, approaching $27 trillion, and we're going to see what Congress does this week to spend another trillion or so. We're going to clearly be sometime by the first or second quarter next year at $30 trillion worth of U.S. debt, you know, three plus a local debt, huge unfunded liabilities and pensions and health care. So, I mean, that record debt level depresses growth. And unless it's offset by technology, demographics, or new natural resources, it's going to continue to press growth. And there's nothing new on the horizon that's going to suggest that technology or demographics are going to change. Weaker debt productivity will put further downward pressure on the velocity of money. Until you get the velocity of money back coming back, it's hard to see inflation coming back. Record corporate debt levels will prevent capital spending from growing as much as we would like for a recovery. And a problem that, you know, I tried to highlight, the Federal Reserve and other central bank programs around the world are misallocating credit. They're sustaining failed business. They're keeping zombie companies alive. They have twisted the, you know, Schumpeter's uh, creative destruction where we have uncreative protection. So we keep protecting companies because, well, those companies have jobs and we want them to have their jobs, but it keeps new companies and new ideas and new processes coming up and replacing them. And that ends up looking more like Europe is a cirrhosis in the blood supply and in the innovation strength. The bottom line is that there's a substantial deflationary gap, I believe, that has opened up between potential and real GDP. Closing, it's going to be difficult and time-consuming, which means persistent downward pressure on inflation and declining bond yields in the future. I totally agree with Lacey and, and Van, but you know, Lacey and I talk about this regularly, and that's not understood by most macroeconomists. They look at the money supply. They come at it from a monetary standpoint. They see the Fed expanding their balance sheet, and they say, ah, Money supply going up, that's going to create inflation. And if you look at the actual equations, you've got to increase the velocity of money at the same time you're increasing that money supply in order to get that inflation. And that's just not happening. So that's kind of where I see the world going right now. And I think it makes it a very, very dangerous time to be long a market that is clearly in some areas becoming overextended. And I'm happy with the way we're positioned right now. All that makes sense to me. And I think from an investor's standpoint, we can see the writing on the wall and we understand some of these large forces that are at play. And I know so many investors who are frozen because they understand that the outlook for economies is, is not good, it's at least in the near term and maybe longer term as well. I just know so many investors that are sitting on the sidelines. And I think, you know, what I've learned through this, you know, market period like others is that we can't allow our macro economic views to impact our investment strategy in a detrimental way. We have to look to markets, meaning stocks and bonds and other assets, to tell us how to invest. 
Because if we look at these broader economic factors, we end up frozen. And that's really how I've been talking with clients. Let's look at the markets themselves. What are markets telling us? And right now, especially in, in terms of equities, markets are trending higher. And it's okay to, to ride that wave. Now, I don't. Th- I agree with you. That doesn't mean we get fully invested. But it's okay to have an allocation to stocks. I think the key is to be flexible and have the ability to move to cash, which all the strategies in smart core have. Do you agree with that assessment? I do, which is why I'm comfortable with where we're going on. And I thank you for this opportunity to talk with our clients and appreciate the work you do in keeping them informed. Well, good. Thanks for your time again today. I know our clients always enjoy hearing from you. And if anybody has a question for John, just send it to me. I'm happy to. We can even have a conference call or if you're considering an investment in Malden Smart Core, let us know. We're always available and willing to talk. John, thanks again for your time today and look forward to talking with you again next quarter. Okay. Next quarter, we'll be together, Brian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Okay, we're back for the second segment of the Malden Smart Core quarterly conference call for the second quarter of 2020. As a reminder, if you have any questions or you want to learn more about our investment services, please contact us by phone or email. The phone number is 800-891-9092. The email address is info at cmgwealth.com. I'm very glad to be here with Jeff Eliason. Jeff is a certified financial planner and a member of the team at Peak Capital Management. Jeff oversees the Peak Dynamic Risk Hedged U.S. Growth Portfolio, which accounts for 25% of Malden Smart Core. Jeff has over 16 years of experience in the investment industry and plays a key role on Peak's investment team. He's also responsible for the firm's compliance program. And prior to joining Peak, Jeff was with Invesco PowerShares, where he worked with registered investment advisors and family offices. Jeff has both an undergraduate degree and a graduate degree from Indiana University and lives in Highlands Ranch, Colorado with his family. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Brian. I really appreciate it. Jeff, I wanted to get your thoughts on the investment environment and also your strategy. But before I do, I'd like to ask you about your business and your operations and how they've been impacted by coronavirus. Your offices are in Colorado. Is your firm still working remotely? Or are you guys back at the office? And how are your people coping with the change? Yeah, we're still working remotely uh, with a couple of exceptions that are client service oriented and operations oriented. They are in fact back in the office with really significant restrictions as far as distancing, wearing masks, et cetera. As a firm, we kicked in our business continuity program very, very early. So the end of February, beginning of March, right when COVID was introduced in the United States. And we have a very robust business continuity program. And so we've been working very effectively as a team remotely and also serving the advisor community and our strategic partners through both WebEx, uh, Zoom meetings, and conference calls. So really, um, uh, certainly 
we miss the camaraderie and meeting face to face, but haven't missed a beat as both a team and specific to our service model. Well, our firm, the, your description is a lot like what's going on here at CMG too. In fact, uh, on our team meeting today, we just, and we try to either on a weekly or biweekly basis, just to have at least a casual lunch from time to time to connect, you know, on a social level, which happens naturally in the office. But when you're working from home, sometimes you forget to socialize or it's just not convenient. I wanted to ask you about the strategy. Well, the name, first of all, Peak Dynamic Risk Head, Best Growth Portfolio. You guys in the office certainly don't call it that. Do you have a nickname for it? Yeah, we simply call it DRH, Dynamic Risk Hedged U.S. Okay, DRH. Maybe I'll call it DRH on the call today. Yeah. yeah. So DRH is a domestic equity strategy. Can you give our investors a high-level perspective on the overall investment objectives and the risk level of the strategy? Yeah, you bet. So the, the strategy itself is obviously U.S.-based. We use exchange-traded funds to express our philosophy. And it's a a rules-based, disciplined approach that evaluates risk on a daily basis. In fact, we've actually had computer scientists and engineers write computer code that sends an output to our investment committee at 5.30 a.m. Mountain Time, And our investment committee evaluates that. So you have a combination of both man and machine working together. And we are able to then take action as necessary prior to the market open based on the investment committee's interpretation of the output that the computer scientists created using uh, code overnight. And uh, it's a great system that combines both man and machine to evaluate and contemplate the risk of the overall portfolio and the risk every single holding in the portfolio contributes and then adapts potentially on a daily basis. In reality, though, it's a managed risk approach um, that under normal circumstances ends up trading every four to six weeks. Do you actually execute trades in the morning then? Well, we're very fortunate with the level of expertise on our team. Every member has, in a number of cases, decades of experience in exchange-traded fund management and trading. And so we're very careful with our trade execution on the specific ETFs that uh, are traded. So the trades typically don't happen uh, on the open. And it also depends on uh, the specific ETF that we're trading and So it's case by case, but certainly not at the open and not at the close. I guess one follow-up in terms of risk, what's the risk relative to an index like the S&P 500? Is is DRH, would you say, Mm -hmm. and just, I I know it varies from time to time because your allocations change, but maybe uh, over a longer period of time, say a few years, what would the volatility of DRH look like compared to the broad stock index like the S&P? Great question. Not surprisingly, it's part of the math behind what attracted CMG and and Malden SmartCore to DRH and Peak Capital. Our volatility is certainly less 
than the broad market over three and five years because of that managed risk approach. We're able to bring in the bands of volatility, if you will, so that the investor experience is certainly smoother. But also, when you think about financial planning, the financial advisor is because the standard deviation and the volatility on DRH is less than the broad market, they are able to provide a greater sense of probability towards reaching the objectives, the investment and financial objectives of the end client. Talk, if you would, uh, about your investment process. What does that look like? I know in some of your literature, you have a series of steps. Break that down. What does the day-to-day process look like in terms of evaluating the markets and then implementing your strategy? So we start out with a conviction, a core belief in exchange-traded funds. And as I mentioned earlier, we have a team that collectively has over 50 years of experience in ETF due diligence and implementation. We believe in ETFs by and large because of their low cost. Recently, they trade at no cost. The ETFs that we use have incredible liquidity, allowing us to, with surgical precision, move in and out, the tax efficiency, and then perhaps most importantly, the transparency. So for us as portfolio managers, it's critical that we have a very clear understanding of what we own and that what we own is impacting the performance and the risk mitigation as we would expect. And therefore, uh, the advisors that we serve can have a high degree of certainty that what we say DRH is going to do is, in fact, what it actually does. So we evaluate ETFs, and this is uh, part of the benefit of working with CMG and Malden Smart Core and Peak Capital that should not be overlooked. There are thousands and thousands of exchange-traded funds out there, and the level of due diligence that our team and CMG go to in evaluating ETFs through a very rigorous process is simply something that financial advisors and investors do not have time uh, nor the history, the background, the expertise to do that. So we take a, a certain level of pride in the background and our ability to evaluate ETFs. Secondly, we then look at what types of ETFs that we use. Academically, we believe in what's called the five factors or factor-based investing. There are decades and decades of academic research that support investing in the factors for diversification, risk mitigation, and potential outperformance over the broad market. And those factors are momentum, low volatility, quality, size, which translates to smaller companies, and value. And so we identify five different ETFs that reflect 
those five factors. And of course, our team does a tremendous amount of due diligence to identify best-in-class ETFs to reflect those five factors. Once we have identified ETFs to reflect those five factors, the next belief that we have is that how you weight the holdings inside a portfolio matters. And so we apply what's called a risk budget to those five factors or the holdings. When we talk about a risk budget, we're weighting the holdings based on their risk contribution to the overall portfolio. Why does that matter? Well, intuitively, the more risk a holding is going to contribute, the lower the weight that holding is going to receive and vice versa. Now, that's extremely relevant if you're simply weighting companies statically and then rebalancing on a calendar, whether it's quarterly, semi-annually, or annually. And if you have a portfolio that's not adaptive, what happened? What happened in March as the global markets were coming absolutely unglued, losing 30-plus percent of their value? Did you simply say, well, we just rebalance semi-annually or quarterly and hope for the best? Well, hope's not a strategy. We believe that risk budgeting is an adaptive approach. And so DRH, in the midst of the March losses, uh, was adapting to the risk profile that each holding had and rebalancing accordingly based on risk. The final component that we believe all portfolios should include is hedging or protection, if you will. So a portfolio without a hedge is kind of like driving a car with no brake. Can you slow down by taking your foot off the accelerator or turning the ignition off? Yeah. How effective is that? Um, not very effective. You'd have to see a hairpin turn or a cliff far enough away that you can take your foot off the accelerator. And so we then like to say that a single hedge or a single type of protection is not the most ideal, albeit better than no hedging. So DRH actually has three different layers of hedging incorporated. And you can look at that as a foot brake and an emergency brake within the car using the same analogy. So our hedging is all based on correlation to those five factors. And the first line of defense are U.S. Treasuries. U.S. Treasuries typically as a flight to quality or a flight to safety have done extremely well. 2020 is no exception. And so in March, late February, early March, we began to ramp up our treasury exposure. At some point, treasuries become less effective. And so we go to our second line of defense, which is actually an inverse position to the S&P 500. And so again, in March, we began to feather in in addition to the treasuries, an inverse position. And then we have a third line of defense where there's somewhat of a total dislocation 
in the market, and that is using cash as a hedge. Currently, we have allocated to all three lines of defense, treasuries, the inverse, and cash. And so about 40 to 50% of our U.S. portfolio is protected using these three lines of defense. And so, Brian, you can see that this is a very robust, repeatable process that evaluates risk and then adapts every single day. Now the question becomes, what is the path going forward as you evaluate uh, surging COVID and also uh, an election coming up and obviously our relationship in the U.S. to China, most pressing? No one has a crystal ball. We don't know. But what we do know is that we have a process that evaluates risk and that process as needed, we'll continue to apply the risk budget and also implement these three different layers of protection. Or as the story unfolds, the hedging will come off and we'll rotate back into equities. So long-winded answer, but it needs to be said, Brian, because we are in challenging times where the most common word that I hear from advisors and their clients is uncertainty. And advisors need a disciplined, rules-based approach that has proven to do exactly what it has said to do and will continue going forward as prescribed. Well, I think that makes a ton of sense. I think it's very important, especially now, to have something that's rules-based because If we look at the strongest forces in the economy, I was just talking with John Malden in the first segment of the call, and I mentioned that it's very easy to become frozen, you know, to sit on your hands and to say, gosh, the outlook looks so bleak. I just can't imagine allocating my portfolio right now or having long positions. But I said to John, it's important that we just let the processes, let the discipline that's built into these processes handle the markets and we can handle the, as an investor, handle the allocation across strategies. But let the investment strategies, the managers like you and others, make the day-to-day investment decisions. I wanted to ask you about the allocations. You know, when you de-risk the portfolio and you use some of the hedges, what's under the hood in terms of the investment process? Is it are they trend following indicators or how would you describe, you know, without giving away your trade secrets, but what kind of technical indicators are you using? For peak capital, we manage entirely based on the risk of the overall portfolio and the contribution that each holding contributes based on risk. To communicate risk, we use standard deviation both standard deviation of the overall portfolio and then the standard deviation of each individual holding. And within standard deviation, that is based on a 60-day look back of standard deviation that is actually exponentially weighted. So the risk most recently is going to have a heavier weight than the risk or standard deviation of the holding or the overall portfolio going back 60 days. 
To contemplate standard deviation, we simply need daily prices for each individual holding. So that gives you a sense for how we view portfolio management based on risk. We look at it as control what you can, and uh, that is risk. And then when you control risk, performance, both upside capture and downside capture, will be a product of that risk management. So we describe ourselves as managers of risk. Jeff, I just want to say on behalf of our clients, thanks for all your work. We appreciate you looking over the portfolios, especially during the uncertain times we had in uh, February and March. And yeah, anything else you wanted to add today? Yeah, I just want to emphasize some of what you said, Brian. You know, it's a challenging time for both investors and financial professionals alike. And the solution, to your point, the answer is not sitting on your hands. Financial professionals are paid to have a process, a strategy. And so I'm grateful that we can be part of the CMG family and the Malden Smart Core in giving financial professionals and the clients they serve a disciplined process, whether that was a process in 2019 that captured some of the market returns or a response that adapted to this environment, whether it was March of 2020 or the path going forward here for the second half of the year. So very grateful to uh, Steve and yourself, Brian and John Malden, to be part of the team and giving a thoughtful solution in a very, very difficult time. So from the team at Peak, much gratitude to you, Brian, Steve, and John. Well, thank you, Jeff. Uh, I think it all goes back to our clients. At the end of the day, they're the ones that keep the lights on. Thanks for listening to our conference call today, and please be sure to listen again next quarter when we'll again host John Malden and Michael He. Managing Director of Investment Research here at CMG. Thanks again for listening today and have a great day and a great week.